Good morning, folks. Today is Wednesday, Worldwide Wednesday, March 10th, 2023. Welcome to episode number 363 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Excuse me, I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Jazzy Jazz, Just a Bite, Marcus Seiler, Bjorn with the web browser, Alex Goodwin, Stephanie Lukowski, and so many more of the Simply Cyber community are going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break in the industry, you're going to get value here. As a show note, I do not see the stories or hear the stories or do any research on any of the stories prior to going live, so you're getting my initial uh, gut reaction and thoughts on the topic, so it's a lot of fun. It's, It's high wire stuff up here. So we're going to have a good time. Obviously, get your coffee, get your drink of choice, get your tea. If it's in the evening, get something to wind yourself down. Whatever works for you guys. We're going to go around the world in a few minutes because it is Wednesday. It's a great segment, my favorite segment of the week. But before we get into all that, let me give a shout out and some love to the stream sponsors. Those who support the channel and keep it free for everybody. Barricade Cyber Solutions to start off. They are dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But guess what, y'all? Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Phone numbers on the website. URLs in the show description. Eric's calendar on the website. You could set up a meeting with him as early as today. Guys. Why would you call Barricade Cyber? Like, what's the point? Here's the point. You can have a conversation with Eric. You can talk about what it would look like if you were to get compromised and how Barricade might be able to help you. Believe this. When you have a conversation about what would happen and how you would execute, you're thinking clearly. You're you're making better decisions. You're setting things up. Nice, right? Identify, protect. If you wait until you're compromised and you call Barricade Cyber, you are going to be flummoxed you're gonna be a deer in the headlights you're gonna just say make the pain stop eric right and that's that's you know helpful to have that phone call but at the same time you're not going to be prepping yourself for success so go ahead and giddy up on barricadecyber.com also want to say shout out and love to panopsi security panopsi security brandon pool zone they do a lot of great work but they also do quantified risk assessments well what's that jerry A quantified risk assessment service from Panopsi will come in and look at your people process technology, look at your industry, your business size, the threat landscape. It's really a strategic piece of work where you do a very deep dive and then the output. James McQuiggan with the super chat. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. James got a cup of coffee right here for you, my friend. Let me take a slug off this. Um, so uh, you're going to get a statistically sound fact-based risk assessment output. Now, before I go, someone asked in chat this morning on the discord server, is there a difference between external and internal auditing? And the answer is no. Okay. Although one thing that you should know that is completely ridiculous and you'll never get this from a textbook or a cert prep course or any official information, but this is a reality of working in industry. The only difference between an internal audit and an external audit is that the business will listen to the external audit results and they're less likely to listen to the internal audit results. I know it sounds ridiculous, but if I go, hey, there's a problem here, they're like, yep, no problem. Let's just kick it down the road for another six months. External audit comes in. Whoa, you got this problem. 
Oh my gosh, what do we do? It's ridiculous, it's a reality though. So that's the main difference between internal and external audit. Also wanna say shout out and love to XM Cyber and their 2023 exposure management report, but more about that in the mid roll. Guys, I wanna let you know that each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So if you have a CERT, ISC squared, ISACA, et cetera, that needs CPEs, we got you covered. Take a screenshot, say what's up. Don't know what to say? I got to make it easy for you. There's 144 of you here. Say hashtag team live. You are team live, y'all. Um, scholarships for doctorates. Not that I know of. Maybe uh, I had my employer pay for mine, Nathan. So that, that's one angle that you can uh, go for. Um, so it, he, hashtag team live like Joe learns SC um, knows what's going on. Uh, Joe learns CS, excuse me. If you're watching on replay, team replay or people too, I love you team replay. Hashtag team replay in the comments, please. Maybe share, uh, uh, obviously the comment, hashtag team replay, but a little note, I do love engaging with the team replay people. If you're getting here late and you're 2X in the, the playback speed so you can catch up to us in real time, Yeet that playback speed and get up to where we are. Drop a hashtag team hybrid when you reach us and let us know that you are in the now, not living in the past. And then finally, my absolute favorite, uh, you know, hashtag group of folks, hashtag passive observer. If you are shy, imposter syndrome, want to network, you hear me say you got to network. You hear other people in the industry say you got to network and you're like, how do I network? I don't get it. What the heck? How does this work? First step. Hashtag passive observer in chat. Hashtag passive observer in chat. Watch the Simply Cyber community welcome you into the light of networking and, you know, slowly lean into it. I like to think of it as like double dutch um, jump rope. Like it seems really intimidating to jump in initially and you kind of like, you know, half step it a couple times, like trying to feel the beat of the jump rope. And then once you jump in, you're like, ding, 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 ding. You're like, I should have done this sooner. That's what networking is within the cybersecurity community. So hop into that double dutch jump rope, hashtag passive observer. All right, guys, it's that time. I'm super, super pumped. I love Wednesdays. I really should get a shirt made up for it. Um, there is a pinned comment in chat if you want to take advantage of this. Worldwide Wednesday, the segment we're about to do is presented by IT Pro TV, now IT Pro from ACI Learning the international online training solution that professionals in audit, cybersecurity, and IT turn to for binge-worthy content. Use promo code SimplyCyber30. It's on the button in this picture. It's in the pinned chat. SimplyCyber30 will get you 30% off your first month or first year. Guys, if you don't have a lot of time and you're trying to pivot from zero to you know, hero in a short amount of time, ACI Learning is an excellent platform. It costs a little bit more, but you're actually, I mean, in my opinion, you're getting what you pay for. It's a great, great platform. 30% off with my code, but if you are a veteran, if you are a teacher, if you are a first responder, definitely take advantage of the fact that it's 60% off for you. As much as I would love for you to use my affiliate code, I'm more interested in you saving the most amount of money and getting the most amount of value for your time and effort. Use the 60% code. I'm not sure exactly what it is. Carrie in chat knows how to do the 60% code. Giddy up on that. Thank you, ACI Learning for the sport. Now, let's do the best segment of the week. The fastest two minutes. ACI Learning is going to uh, pump up um, Worldwide Wednesday. We're going to play some Daft Punk. 
Um, oh, by the way, I ran the Daft Punk song, that the, the, the one that was like done by another group. It still got flagged for copyright, so we're going YOLO. I'm going for the OG Daft Punk. Two minutes. Here's how it works, guys. Drop in chat where you are. Tell us where you are. Mods, I'm going to need some support on this one because chat, chat's going crazy. And we can start because I saw Botswana in the chat earlier today coming in wicked hot. Let's get going. All right, where are you at? Hot land is in the house. Alex Goodwin representing Land of Oz. Indiana, New York City, Fresno, Aussie, Aussie, oi, oi, oi. Cali's in the house. Florida, what's up, Louisiana? West Palm Beach, Pakistan. Bringing the Middle East online. No, that's okay, uh, BSEC, we got you. India, Tim Shoes bringing in India. Love it. Sicily, Tom Bishop's going to be our resident Italian. I love it. Harrisburg. Northern Virginia, I see you, Norfolk. What up? Or uh, Romania's in the house. Woo! I, I guess Nor Nova would be... Um, there's Norfolk, Virginia. Jeff White representing. North Dakota's in the house. Required cybersecurity education in K-12 through up there in North Dakota. Love it. Where's Botswana? I saw Botswana in chat earlier. We're going to go ahead and give credit to them. France is in the house. Daniel Joseph bringing wee 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 Paris. Poland's in the house. Thank you, Mark. What else we got? I don't even know where Santa duh, is. Uh, Paris, Ohio, Belgium. Belgium's in the house. Love it. Kenya. Nice. We've got major representation from Africa today. Thank you, Philip Munga. Va Beach in the house. All right. Good morning, LinkedIn fam. I see you, big Texas. Texas really should be its own country on this map. <laughs> Do we have Canada? Canada's always representing. Matteo talking about England's online. I love it. Toronto. Oh, Toronto. Thank you, Canada. Love it, love it, love it. ATL. I love me some outcasts. All right. Internet, internal stranger. Uh, Kimberly, we got Alex Goodwin from Australia. Argentina's in the house. Bring it on. Bring it on, South America. Guys, we are looking fit as a fiddle right now. We've got pretty much everything representing here. Jersey Shore's in the house. Chapstick, gyms, South Africa. Very nice. Jupiter, Florida's in the house. ATL. ATL's getting mad love. Low country love. Upstate, South Carolina's in the house. Love it. We've got 30 seconds left, guys. I love it. We've done. We've definitely done it. UAE. UAE's in the house. Cayman Islands. I love it. I can't get to the Cayman Islands. They're too small on the map here. Abu Dhabi. A UAE. I got you representing right here, my friend. Thank you for showing up today. Love it. Uh, Gloucester. Gloucester. Commonwealth of Dominica. Dominican Republic. All right, guys. Hey, I got to tell you, that was absolutely outstanding. Guys, we straight crushed it. Look at this. We've got Australia. We've got Africa, South America, North America, Asia, Europe coming in hot. I, you could even argue Middle East with UAE, Central America with the DR. Guys, we straight ran roughshod all up on this um, map today. Congratulations, everybody, and thank you so much. Uh, I don't see where Nigeria is. Oh, there it is. Um, thank you all so very much, Simply Cyber Community. A great, great segment. Love it, love it, love it. It just shows how inclusive we are and all the different perspectives. 
and um, you know concepts and, and experiences that we are bringing to the Simply Cyber community. Each one of you, that's what makes it so special. All right, guys, it's that time for the news. So sit back, relax, and let the, hold on, let me fix the screen here. Sit back, relax, and let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over you in an awesome wave. I'll see you all at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. It's Wednesday, May 10th, 2023. Operation Medusa takes down snake malware network. The DOJ announced that a joint operation dubbed Medusa has decimated a 20-year-old malware operation run by Russia's Federal Security Service, or FSB. A threat group named Turla used malware called Snake to steal secrets from NATO member governments. Turla exfiltrated sensitive data through a global network of compromised machines to evade detection. The FBI developed a tool named Perseus, which they used to neutralize the Snake malware by commanding it to overwrite itself on compromised systems. Okay, hold on. This is a big story. I was also, like, <laughs> as terrible as it is... Um... I, I built a honeypot yesterday and I left it running overnight. It got compromised. <laughs> so I was shutting it down. <laughs> okay. Whoops. All right. Um, so for, let's see, 20 years. So, all right. This is a huge joint law enforcement effort. All right. Now, I, I didn't catch all of this. Uh, this is a 20-year threat actor group that's pretty serious. Obviously, the FBI is having a lot of fun here with Medusa and Perseus and Snake, right? They're using a lot of the keywords here of that uh, Greek mythology. The FBI, here's the cool thing. The FBI developed a tool which, when it successfully um, compromised the Snake malware, it would overwrite itself, essentially uh, neutering or, you know, effectively removing the compromise from the box. This is really, really interesting. Um, think of it as like basically the FBI made a vaccine or a um, treatment plan that ultimately would vaccinate uh, a compromised asset. Very cool. Now, uh, two things I'll say. One, this story definitely warrants going a little bit deeper into simply because it was a massive multi-year multi-country law enforcement joint effort. Um, obviously, the Russian FSB is a very um, capable threat actor group, if you want to call them that. So this story definitely warrants uh, getting into. couple key things I'd love to share with you here. First of all, Dark Reading as a website is an excellent source of high-quality cybersecurity news. I recommend Dark Reading strongly. Second thing, What's really interesting here, and this was a hot topic, um, not like not like hot topic, the goth, uh, <laughs> the goth like T-shirt store back in the day um, in the malls. If if you're old enough to know what a mall is, but uh, what was a hot topic a few years ago is that the FBI actually ran an operation where they um, they basically patched Exchange servers that were vulnerable to like either proxy shell or zero login. It was like, it was like one of the big name vulnerabilities that had a logo, had a logo. Okay. Right. Had a logo, which is critical. Um, and the FBI proactively went out and patched, uh, in, in like without a system owner's permission. Okay. And this turned into like a really big topic. Cause it's like, 
first of all, you have no authority to touch our machines, right? Like if I have a, a exchange server facing the internet, it's my machine, it's my server. If a hacker broke in and screwed it up, they would be held accountable. But the FBI went in and patched it. Now, they did it as a community service. And a lot of people were like, well, thanks a lot, like, because it didn't break in production. But I'm sure there were some instances when the FBI touched it, it screwed everything up and there was no repercussions. And then the question became philosophical debate of, is it worth the greater good for the FBI to take action on Intel and protect the great, like, you know, kind of inoculate the greater masses um, from, you know, a massive campaign uh, with having a couple businesses get um, screwed up because of it? Or should the FBI have just told people in a joint advisory from CISA, please patch your exchange server? So, like, this was a hot thing back in the day. Um, so, the fact that they have made more of a surgical tool that will detect if the snake malware is on the box and then effectively uh, wipe it off the box, essentially, like, it, it overwrites it so it's not there anymore. Um, that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Uh, I appreciate this. I'm going to read more into this personally. Uh, the FBI developing a tool, that's very interesting. When you think of FBI, um, they have practitioners that do investigations, like famously the takedown of the Emotet. Um, the e well, Emotet 1, it's resurfaced a few times, but the very first Emotet infrastructure, the coordinated effort, the takedown of all that, that was the FBI. Um doing a lot of that heavy lifting in there. And I've talked to some of the FBI, uh, you know, computer scientists, cybersecurity people, and they are quite comparable, uh, excuse me, quite competent. But you would not normally think of the FBI developing tools to be used in cyber operations. To me, that's more NSA. But you know what? I guess the FBI are people too, and they've got uh, some skills. So maybe it'd be like, for me, it's interesting to kind of dig in, see who developed it, see if it's going to be publicly available, see if businesses can leverage it. I don't know. But uh, yeah, a whole bunch of stuff. I love that I'm going deep on like FBI and FSB and chats, just like all about hot topics, Sam Goody, <laughs> Spencer's gifts, the, 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 um, the, the roly boly with the free servings, right? The arcade. All that. The leech mirrors. Lugwalk Joe pleads guilty to massive 2020 Twitter hack. On Tuesday, the DOJ announced that Joseph James O'Connor, a UK citizen known as Plugwalk Joe, has pleaded guilty to charges connected with the 2020 Twitter hack affecting numerous high-profile accounts. Plugwalk Joe and unnamed conspirators gained access to Twitter's administrative tools and sent tweets from accounts including that of Elon Musk, Joe Biden, Barack Obama, and Apple. The tweets promoted a Bitcoin scam that raked in almost $120,000. O'Connor also took over an unnamed TikTok user's account thought to be that of influencer Addison Ray. He pled guilty to multiple charges, including intentionally accessing a computer without authorization, making threatening communications, and cyberstalking. All right. So, you know, I guess this is good being held accountable. Um, Plug Walker Joe. Like, hold on one second. I I, I want to kind of see. Uh, he's set to be sentenced June twenty third, so his punishment has been given, and he's going to forfeit seven hundred ninety four thousand dollars to the victims of the scams. Yikes. Okay, so a couple things here. One. Hold on one second. Okay, so a couple things here. One, I don't know if you guys remember this, but like this was like a really famous uh, incident, right? It, basically, this is the scam where 
you know, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, a couple other really well-known Twitter accounts posted, oh, hey, um, I'm feeling generous or whatever. If you mail, like whatever amount you send to this Bitcoin wallet, I will return back twice, a, twice amount. So if you send me one Bitcoin, I'll send you back two Bitcoin. And a bunch of idiots, with all due respect, with all due respect, a bunch of people who didn't, I, I, it's, it's, it's almost unfair of me to call them idiots. A bunch of people who did not take the time to think about whether or not this seemed like um, too good to be true or scam sent Bitcoin to these wallets, resulting in $120,000 of ill-gotten gains. Now, just like the early aughts in the DMCA, Cop Digital Millennium Copyright Act, where they scooped up a few people to make um, examples of, this to me seems like making an example of guys i gotta tell you okay so let me just finish the story so this guy he he, he got 120 grand yes exactly carl <gasps> carl's gonna get rich people uh he's cashing out the 401k because he's gonna double his money so um he also stole seven hundred ninety-four thousand dollars from some unnamed instagram account uh related to a manhattan company He's going to get charged on June 23rd. He's also agreed to pay back $794,000. So it seems like he still made $120,000 off the victims of the initial hack. So, I mean, whatever his punishment is, I hope it was worth $120,000 because he's going. Now, here's my hot take. Woo, let's get the Jerry. I haven't done a Jerry tinfoil hat in a hot minute. Let's do some of that. Um, here's my hot take on this one. As much as we live in a free society and as much as... Um, you know, free speech and, and, and whatever. Everybody's, everybody's treated equal, you know, quote unquote. I, I don't want to make this a big political discussion about equal rights and stuff like that. But here's my hot take on this thing. Dude, if you are going to commit a crime, and this is not like how to commit crime 101. I'm not doing a teachable course on committing crime without getting caught. If you're going to commit a crime, may I suggest... You do not kick a hornet's nest, all right? When you hack Barack Obama, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, you are literally compromising some of the most powerful people in modern society. That's it. I you Say what you want. Dude, we are in the technical, we're in the digital gilded age. Elon Musk has more money than many countries at his disposal. Bill Gates has like so much money that he's giving billions of dollars away and it doesn't even affect them. Okay. These people are wicked powerful. If you screw them over, if you take over their account, it's if you've ever had your account taken for whatever reason, like your credit card stolen or anything, it feels personally violating. I know that some of these people have teams running their Twitter accounts, but like for Elon Musk, for example, he's definitely tweeting from his own account. Even if other people are also tweeting, he's tweeting. So when you violate that person's individual space, you better believe that they are motivated in responding in kind, using access to the tools, functions, people, capabilities that they have access to. I suspect, tinfoil hat, I suspect that when this happened, these very powerful people called in, you know, favors and said, find this guy and bring him to justice. This is absolute trash. We want justice. We, the, 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 you know, the, the tech barons want justice. If my account on Twitter had gotten hacked, 
Plug Walker Joe is <laughs> he's still living on a beach somewhere that's sitting next to Tom Bishop down in Sicily. All right. That's my hot take. We saw the same thing. Look at guys. Okay, hold on. Now I'm getting spicy. All right, listen for a second. Look at the colonial pipeline hack. Businesses are getting slapped around hardcore all over the place with ransomware. Ransomware you, ransomware you, Dallas getting hit. Um, you know, healthcare systems getting hit. Whoever. I think the Lego factory or Crayola got hit, right? Nobody's safe. And, and we have such a lukewarm, tepid response, right? We're doing the best we can here. Colonial Pipeline gets hit. Go back and look at it. 2021, Colonial Pipeline gets hit. People in the United States on the eastern seaboard are filling like trash bags up with gasoline. Stupidest thing ever, okay? But massive panic. Um, okay. And then, like, within, like, a couple weeks, they got the ransom money back, which never happens, ever and the ransomware threat actor group basically apologized, put the money down on the on the floor, backed away slowly, and then scurried into the shadows and disbanded. Now they've resurfaced as, you know, Black Cat, Black Alfie, Black uh, not Black Basta, but um, whatever. They've resurfaced in different factions and capacities. But that is another example of when you kick a hornet's nest of very powerful people. You better believe that they are going to flex on you in a way that is incredibly uncomfortable. So that's my hot take on that. That's why that's why Plugwalker Joe was found and brought to justice. That's why. Justice Department takes down 13 DDoS for hire sites. The Justice Department continued a very busy week announcing Monday that it had seized 13 internet domains linked to stressor or booter platforms, more formally known as DDoS for hire services. Threat actors have paid for these services to launch millions of attacks against organizations including schools, universities, governments, and financial institutions. Ten of the 13 illicit domains seized are reincarnations of DDoS services that were previously shuttered towards the end of last year. All right. All right. So, I mean... Denial of service attacks really quick, just so we all are on the same page. It's when you take, typically when you take massive amounts of network traffic and point it at an endpoint and overwhelm it. So legitimate traffic is unable to get into um, the website, right? So like, you know, when you get like a website's down or like it just gets the loading page, it can be because of a denial of service attack. Now, the extra D here in distributed denial of service attack is that in 2023, if it's coming from one IP address, there's controls, there's there's mechanisms in place to basically like give the Heisman, um, give the Heisman <laughs> for my football friends, give the Heisman to the, whoever that one IP is that's sending the traffic and tell them to take a hike. So you need a distributed denial of service. It needs to be coming from, you know, tens of thousands of IP addresses and it makes it very difficult. You can't Heisman 10,000 different IPs very quickly, right? Um, so these domains were hosting services that allowed, um, denial of service attacks. Now, um, uh, <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, these services, you might be like, how are these services even legit? Well, you can actually offer it as a legitimate service and say, Hey, Amazon, Hey, Netflix, Hey, online web cloud-based application company. You don't want to get knocked off with a denial of service attack. So we offer denial of service as 
not denial of service, but they call it stress testing or stress loading um, testing services where in a coordinated effort, it's the same as like pen testing. It's like, there's a legit reason here. We will, uh, you know, like at midnight to 1 a.m., we'll push a bunch of data and see how you respond. See if Netflix goes down, see if it gracefully falls over to its backup site, whatever it is. So there are legit use cases for this, just like there's legit use cases for spoofing phone numbers. But there's also a wicked criminal enterprise called booter services, where if I give, you know, a booter service, I give uh, B-Sex booter services in um, Emporium a uh, hundred bucks, they can knock off uh, a different website. Like let's, let's say, um, I don't know, like, let's say I'm going, I'm going to the mat mattresses against uh, TCM, right? I'm going to launch a bunch more courses on Simply Cyber School and I'm going after TCM, like, oh, Heath Adams, right? So maybe I, I hire a booter service and he's about to run a, a special 50% uh, off for like a uh, summer vacation or something like that. And I do a denial of service and knock them offline, right? You would normally, like the, the real use case is like on Black Friday when some businesses depend wholly on their entire annual revenue goals on Black Friday sales, those type of things. So good, the Justice Department. Yeah, the Justice Department coming in strong. EU draft rules make data handling tougher for U.S. cloud providers. A draft proposal from the European Union would make it more difficult for non-EU cloud service providers, including Amazon, Google, and Microsoft, to secure an EU cybersecurity label to handle sensitive data. These cloud service providers would only gain such a clearance via a joint venture with an EU-based company. Further, the providers would only have a minority stake in the venture. The proposal would place tougher rules on access to sensitive data where a breach could harm public order, public safety, human life or health, or intellectual property. The proposal is likely to spark criticism from affected firms worried about being shut out of the European market. What? What is this? Hold on. I don't understand this. You, you, <laughs> the European people, man, they, they have some, they got some crazy ideas. They got some great ideas. Like I just don't understand this really quickly. Let me let me absorb this for a second. Um, uh, ChatGPT. Um, okay, so I guess what I'm trying, what I'm, I guess what I'm reading here is, um, you know what? Hold on, I got this button here. Hold on, let's see what ChatGPT says. See if it summarizes it for me. Come on, ChatGPT, summarize this story for me. Uh, all right, employees with EU data must undergo screening, must be operated in the EU, customer data stored and processed, must take precedence over EU law. All right, so there is a use case for this chat GPT summarize everything. They basically just give you the bullet points, and this is helpful in this particular situation. All right, so this, I'm glad I actually did this because that's a lot more. Yeah, hold on one second. Uh, thank you. Shall we play? <laughs> Thank you, digital overlords, for uh, helping me with this. All right, so here's the do deal. Um, the EU is drafting these rules around the use of cloud systems, right? Cloud is ubiquitous, right? So e Amazon, AWS, they definitely have a huge footprint in the United States, but they also have presence in uh, Europe. And what this ruling is saying is that if EU data is going to be on your systems, you have to label it as such using like data classification. And by doing that, when you have that label on, 
you are agreeing, or if the rules go through, you're agreeing to adhere to EU rules. Um, anybody who has access to it has to go through an EU level compliant, you know, background check screening. So obviously uh, what they're saying here, it says Amazon, Microsoft, Google, because they're the three biggest um, cloud players, right? Some people might have, think you, um, some people might um, have you think that Oracle and IBM are also big players, but they're not right now. Um, the, these, they says here because now this is going to hurt their, uh, this is going to cost them money, right? At the end of the day, Great cash, homie. that's exactly what the problem is. Amazon, Google, and Microsoft are definitely going to throw their lobbyists, definitely going to throw their lawyers at this draft rule, definitely going to try to influence EU lawmakers because essentially this is going to add cost and, and, and expense to them because now they're going to have to like, evaluate what data is on these systems. They're going to have to set up different uh, rules. The way that like in the United States, if you're going to put government uh, systems into AWS, there's like an AWS GovCloud, right? So there's AWS East, West, but there's like a GovCloud one that's just for government. I can imagine that it would have to be something like that for EU. And, um, you know, there's a little bit of like gray area, a little bit of squishiness when you say, oh, we didn't know it had EU data on it, but now now it's going to um you're going to have to explicitly label it also this is going to have downstream impacts right so if aws is hosting stuff and i'm a business and i'm just doing like whatever uh education type stuff uh, maybe maybe i don't have to comply with those eu rules because i don't have uh information that would be requiring the labeling however um kimberly starts up a you know whatever a meditation healthcare service of some sort and it does but we're on the same kind of infrastructure so it's going to get really really muddled and really really confusing and obviously the eu is quick to find people who um we've seen this with gdpr find people financially that break the rules um so this for me this is just something interesting to keep on your macro radar not anything really to get crazy about right now and now a word from our sponsor trend micro Cybersecurity is not just about protection, it's about foresight, agility, and resilience. Navigating a new era of cyber risk demands evolved strategies, new frameworks, and integrated tools to equip security teams to anticipate and defend against even the most advanced attacks. Trend Micro, Take it easy, a Robert leader in cybersecurity, is bringing the cyber risk conversation to more than 120 cities around the world in their latest Risk to Resilience World Tour, the largest cybersecurity roadshow of its kind. Find the closest city to you and register today to take a leap toward a more resilient future. Just head to trendmicro.com slash CISO series to register. All right. If you're here for the mid-roll, <clears throat> we do this every mid-roll. Also, I have a hard, two, two things. I have a hard stop at 9. I have a meeting I have to attend, but we also have a premiere at 9 a.m. Um, for folks. So <clears throat> please stay tuned for that at the end, although I won't be able to do it myself. Okay. Thanks, Jenny. <clears throat> all right, guys, every mid-roll, <clears throat> excuse me, I take a hot minute, and I thank all of you for being here. <clears throat> I, Jesus. <clears throat> I, <clears throat> I, oh, thank you very much, Alana. So I take a hot minute, and I ask each of you um, to, you know, I thank you for being here, obviously. I genuinely appreciate your time, energy, effort, experience, and comments in chat helping each other. 
But I would like you to take it one step further and just take a second and hit the like button. The like button will essentially tell YouTube that a bunch of cyber people, you, like this show. And it'll tell other cyber people who don't know about the show yet about the show. So it's a cool way to share with your network in a very indirect way. Plus, it, it it's cool to hit the like button. Simple as that. Thank you to the sponsors, Bar Barricade Cyber, Panopsi, and XM Cyber. I want to remind you guys about XM Cyber. I told you I'd share <clears throat> this with you at mid-roll. XM Cyber is an exposure management platform company, cloud-based. Uh, very, very cool. A lot of interesting uh, intellectual property and technology going in there. Organizations are overwhelmed with thousands of exposures across the cloud and on-prem environments on a monthly basis. So efficiently reducing risk is almost impossible. Discover the most critical threats and practical tips on how to overcome remediation fatigue and not be apathetic about, oh, Patch Tuesday shouldn't break your spirit, okay? They've got a new approach to efficiently reduce risk with XM Cyber's 2023 State of Exposure Management Report. You can read it online. There's a link in the description below. Go down, click on it. it takes like five seconds to get the, um, it takes five seconds to get uh, the report. I've printed it out. You don't have to. You can read it digitally, but I'm I'm uh, I'm 43, so <laughs> I grew up. I'm a zennial. I like to print out my my documents and, and highlight them. Thank you to the support, XM Cyber. All right, guys. Want to also remind you if you want to get the newsletter, simplycyber.io newsletter. What's a newsletter? It basically it's a it's an opportunity for me to directly email you all sorts of value. That's it. I, I this particular email I send on Mondays. If you don't open it up, I resend it on Wednesdays, and it's three pieces of actionable intel you can use to reduce risk for your organization almost immediately. Want to say shout out to John Bruno for carrying the baton on the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. John Bruno, if you can um, tag somebody in chat, please do that, sir. Simply Cyber Community Challenge is an initiative that we started about a month ago where members of the Simply Cyber Community get tagged just a bite, it looks like Justabyte could be getting tagged. Justabyte's going to go on LinkedIn. My, 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 my guidance, my advice to you, go on LinkedIn, search for the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Engage with everybody that's posting, not just the original poster, but also the people commenting in uh, the comments. Steph Clewis had the baton the other day. I wasn't connected with Steph. I got to read her story and connected with her right afterwards. I'm building my network. Networking is incredibly valuable. It is, it's an imperative that you take advantage of building your network. If you don't want to use the Simply Cyber Community Challenge, that's fine. I don't, it's fine. I don't mind, but it's an opportunity. It's an easy win. It's a, it's an, it's a quick win. It's an easy button. And all these people are already here in chat. It's awesome. Team Replay, the same goes for you. You are part of the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. So just a bite, grabbing up that baton. Thank you, Jenny Housley. We've got 67 people already on the challenge. Two months of wonderful people, closer to three months because we don't do it on weekends. Let's get back into the news simply because I got a hot stop at um, 9 o'clock. GitHub now auto-blocks secret leaks for all repos. On Tuesday, GitHub announced that it has begun automatically blocking the leak of sensitive info, including credentials, API and private keys, access tokens, and management certificates for all public code repositories. The feature proactively prevents leaks by scanning for secrets before Git push operations are accepted. 
The company introduced the push protection in beta a little over one year ago in April of 2022. And now it's time for you should. Hold on, I'm screwing around with my um. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> My honey pot. My my honey pot. Ah, compromised. All right, so GitHub uh, is auto blocking tokens that have API leaks. This is a great. This is great. Okay, so basically, Microsoft bought GitHub. Microsoft's wicked serious about security, um, and they're helping developers not shoot themselves in the foot. If you'll excuse me, I just have to terminate this EC2 instance because I don't know what um, <laughs> I don't know what this dude's I don't know what these threat actors are doing up in my box here. All right. Um, so th this is good. It sounds like you don't even have to enable anything. It literally just does it for you. Um, I'm sure if you accidentally try to um, up, uh, add a API key and it says you can't do that, it probably gives you some um, guidance on how to securely do it. Um, this is a great this is a great win okay like api leaks happen unfortunately you can use google dorking to find api keys pretty quickly um so github appreciate it love you mean it way to go again this is probably a good one for the newsletter for your peers like hey fyi this is happening it's a this is like an automatic free win for the security community and the only reason you would make the um your peers aware of it is because it may impact their ability. Now, I do wonder um, if it's going to retroactively go back and look at existing repos that have API keys. That would be interesting, but probably patch that patch Tuesday edition. Microsoft's May 2023 Patch Tuesday security update is the lightest in volume since August 2021 and includes fixes for 49 new vulnerabilities. However, two of the vulnerabilities addressed are being actively exploited by attackers. The first is a Win32K privilege escalation bug that affects systems running Win10 and Windows Server 2008, 2012, and 2016. The other zero day is a security feature bypass issue in the Windows Secure Boot feature. Other notable bugs addressed are the 9.8 severity low complexity remote code execution bug in Microsoft network file systems and another RCE flaw in SharePoint server disclosed by the Star Labs team at the Pone to Own Vancouver 2023. Additionally, Adobe has issued 14 security fixes for bugs in versions 8.3.0 and earlier of its 3D painting software. The majority of the issues are high-severity, memory-related vulnerabilities that can be exploited for arbitrary code execution. Siemens also joined the patching party, publishing six new advisories for 26 vulnerabilities, including two critical RCE flaws in its Civilence video products. Additionally, French wow. industrial giant Schneider Electric issued advisories for six flaws affecting PowerLogic power meters, OPC factory server, Aviva products, and KNX automation systems. And finally, an advisory was issued for a new unpatched Linux NetFilter kernel flaw impacting multiple Linux kernel distros, including the current stable version 6.3.1. The bug allows unprivileged local users to escalate to root privilege, allowing complete control over a system. A severity level has not yet been assigned. The researchers shared Jesus. their exploit privately to Buddy, the Linux what kernel are we doing team here with and plan to publicly release their exploit within seven days as required by the Linux distros policy. Oh my God, take a breath, get a drink. I could have gone and got, made a lunch 
during that update. Holy crap. And the, the hilarious thing is that um, the story says, um, you know, the 49 CVEs is the lowest volume in two years, yet that was the longest story in two years on the on the podcast. Okay, I digress. That It doesn't matter. It's all good information. Much like I just said with the XM Cyber Read, remediation fatigue is legit. Microsoft Patch Tuesday comes out once a month and vulnerability management is really, really hard. And it, it's almost impossible. If you've ever done a Vuln scan, you're probably like the very first time you ever do a Vuln scan on your network, you're probably horrified by the number, like the sheer volume of vulnerabilities that are discovered. Even after you remove the informational ones and you just have like the critical, the high, and the, like get rid of the low ones too, because you're never going to get to those. Um, it, it, it's pretty, it's pretty daunting, pretty intimidating. Um, they do mention a couple um, easy to exploit RCEs, remote code execution, meaning um, a threat actor not local to your network can run arbitrary code, basically pop a shell and get into your box and then start installing stuff, um, are, are, in, are being addressed in this Microsoft patching. Uh, also, the, um, the, the results from the Pwn to Own um, event are wrapped up in this Microsoft patch, patch Tuesday. Um, Pwn to Own is a really, really cool contest, usually held in Vancouver. Um, where like the top security researchers in the world get together and pop all sorts of boxes. Um, patch, I mean, guys, this this story, this Patch Tuesday should not be. Yes, thank you, BSEC. Hello. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, so, you, like, this story shouldn't be like, oh, we should probably do vulnerability management. Like, this should just be like, this should be normal. You should just come in and be like, oh, Patch Tuesday, like. You probably, <laughs> I feel like Patch Tuesday, you should definitely stop at the on the way into work and buy yourself like a great cup of coffee. Like do something nice for you. You know what I mean? Like put a face mask on if if, if, if that's, not, not not like to wear to work, like a Guy Fox mask, but like like a moisturizing face mask so you feel fresh and so clean, clean uh, when you go to work that day. Do something for you because Patch Tuesday um, feels like you walk in and someone just, <laughs> Patch Tuesday, it's like you like walk into work and someone just open hand slaps you across the face and says, good morning. And then like you just go to your uh, your desk. That's what Patch Tuesday feels like. So, um, yeah, so so my heart goes out to you. Remember patch management. Just remember you have to do if you're going to do it correctly, you should do it in concentric circles. IT team first then security champions within the different departments and then roll it out majorly. Remember, most patches get applied to 80 percent of your fleet on the regular. That's not where you should be concerned. You, be, you should be concerned with the people who are not connecting back to the mothership, right? Like salespeople who will click on everything. People in labs who don't connect to the main network or on special VLANs and aren't getting pushed the patches. People who are in R&D that have like multiple machines. People, uh, vendor machines that maybe are uh, removed from the scanner and the patching scope. Those fringe 20%, that's what you really need to be um, thinking about. CISOs face growing pressures amidst economic downturn. The 2023 Voice of the CISO report from Proofpoint provides insights from CISOs across more than a dozen industries in 16 countries and indicates that over two-thirds of CISOs feel at risk of a material cyber attack in the next 12 months. 82% said they experienced a data loss event due to employees leaving the company. Respondents identified top threats as email fraud, insider threats, cloud account compromise, and distributed denial-of-service attacks. 
CISOs indicate seeing stronger and more frequent board-level engagement related to security threats. However, 58% of CISOs indicate that the current economic downturn has negatively affected their organization's cybersecurity budget. Further, more than half of those polled reported struggling with personal liability risks, and nearly two-thirds say they face excessive expectations. All right. Um, we got a couple minutes here, uh, so this is good 10 minutes. Cybersecurity Central dropping a 10 spot on gifted memberships. Thank you very much. Pursuit of Bliss, welcome to the squad. Mario, welcome to the squad. Chuck Sapp, welcome to the squad. Definitely take advantage of the emotes. You guys can get all up on Flame and Donkey if you want. Uh, a couple quick things about this uh, report. Now, I know the graphic here is terrible, so you can't really see what it is. But this is Proofpoint, which is an email security gateway company. Okay, Proofpoint's very, very legit. I, and listen, if you're not a CISO, this still applies to you, so hear me out, okay? The, S Proofpoint, legit, interviewed 1,600 CISOs, very solid uh, sampling over the last 12 months. Okay, so this is a very good um, sample. I'm going to download this report and look at it. Now, why would you want to use this? If you are a security product vendor, if you work at a MSSP, if you're trying to sell services to CISOs, this report is going to tell you where their pain points are, where their agitation is, what they're seeing in their day-to-day -day life so you can actually understand them and not just try to sell them a product because that's not the way. Help them. You can help them solve their problems, right? So that's the thing. If you work in a information security office, you can use this to understand what your boss is going through. What are the pain points that, that your boss may be having? If you are a CISO, this is basically group therapy for you. You can read this and say, holy crap, like I'm not alone. Like this is a real thing. This personal liability, budget cuts, dealing with whatever. All of these things are true. The only thing I would push back is that the title is business as usual. And it says CISOs are seeing a, um, uh, you know, the threat scan like threat landscape heating up again after a brief respite. Um, no. Okay, so the brief respite might be ransomware, where the threat actors were more focused on being conscripted into the Russian army than they were on committing ransomware, and now ransomware is back. But what I will say is, when we went uh, work from home, remote office. Dude, digital transformation was all up in your face. We, many of us were not ready for a secure, quote unquote, zero trust architecture where everybody is logging in from all over the place. Insecure networks, insecure BYOD, mobile devices all over the place, not an MDM. So the threat landscape, uh, it shifted quite a bit, but the level of risk was still always there. So I, I pushed back on the idea that we had like, uh, uh, a Cayman Islands vacation with coconut drinks with little umbrellas for six months. Are you joking me? No. Like uh, we, uh, if anything, we had to be more hyper vigilant because our 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 threat uh, profile dramatically changed in what the threat actors were doing. So, anyways, this is a great report. I would definitely want to check this out. Uh, I plan on doing that. Uh, oh, thank you, BSEX dropping bombs in uh, chat. So I've got access to the report right now. Thank you very much, BSEC. Let's keep going because I, uh, I got a meeting here in seven minutes. Microsoft disarms MFA bombers with number matching. Starting this week, Microsoft is taking stronger measures to defend against multi-factor authentication push spamming and push bombing attacks. 
Authenticator users will be required to type in a one-time code to complete the MFA process and will not be able to opt out of the feature. Microsoft clarified that Windows users who don't use Authenticator will not be affected by the new requirement. Do you feel like some... All right, so this is good. Um, I, I've said this before. I'll say it again. Um, I don't say it often, though. The, the, the game that we play, cybersecurity, right? The game we play and the threat actors are the other players in the game. It's a cat and mouse game. We constantly come up with control. Like, so a threat actor does something bad. And if they do enough of it, we come up with controls to either protect from it, detect, or um, correct it, right? Like, these are what we do. Threat actors have, you know, figured out or, or understood that if I'm sending you constant push notifications, like it pops up on your phone, right? So first of all, I've already compromised your username and password, and now I'm trying to get your MFA. And it keeps popping up and says, you want to log in? 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 Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Want to log in? Right? It's, it's annoying. It's frustrating. Carl! And people like Carl are like, Jesus, I keep saying no, and it keeps popping up. Let me try to push yes. Oh, I push yes, and it doesn't come up anymore. In Carl's mind, he solved the problem. In reality, you've just given access to the threat actor to your you know, uh, email or your environment or whatever. So in order to prevent this uh, attack, in order to deter this behavior, Microsoft has responded in kind, this cat and mouse game. Microsoft has responded by... Um, basically putting in an extra step on these push notification bombs that will essentially prevent it from boom, 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 boom. It'll actually add an extra step, which is a little inconvenient for the end user, but they're also less likely to act, uh, to, to make the annoyance stop, the nuisance stop by hitting the button. Also, that's just the pop-ups on your phone. Those are push notifications. I've also seen, you don't see it as much anymore, but phone calls as a second form of authentication. Dude, if you're trying to get some sleep and your phone just keeps ringing, 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 you don't want it to ring anymore. So there's a quick way to make it stop ringing. Just uh, uh, accept the, um, the, the, like allow the threat actor in. Not that the bat, not that the victim, not that Carl knows that you're letting a, a threat actor in because no one would do that. They're just thinking this is an IT thing. I'm going to make it stop. Boom. Okay. All right. Things been missing from real life. All right. So that's going to do it for the show. Let me put in some music really quickly. All right. I, I do have, um, what do I have? I've got a couple minutes here, like two minutes really quick. Chat GPT. Um, I'm doing a series of videos on chat GPT, uh, how you can use it to benefit yourself. Um, I believe this video is like how to basically, like if you need a mentor, if you need a cybersecurity career roadmap, this video is going to show you how ChatGPT, uh, with very specific prompts, can hook you up and get you straightened out. I also call out several uh, mistakes that ChatGPT makes to be mindful of and how we can fix that. Um, uh, just like the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, I am doing the commands live in the video and then I'm reacting to them live. I did not run the commands, look at what the result was, think about my response then re-scrub the video and run the command, okay? So it's 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 legit, I hope you enjoy it. Here's a link to it in chat. When I end the stream, it should push you directly to the feed, so giddy up on that. Uh, I was gonna show you a honeypot, uh, but my honeypot got, my honeypot got got, so that's not gonna work. I will be doing a video with Eric Capuano pretty soon on honeypots and the value of them, but I think I have to do it in real time. 
so a threat actor doesn't compromise it during the stream. We'll see how it goes. Um, all right, so Outcast for life, totally right. ATL, if you're into Outcast, you know what's up. ATLians, great, great um, Aquamanai, great album. Thank you, everybody, for your time. My pleasure, Valinov. For those who got the, um, don't worry, Joel Belton. Like a phoenix, it will it will resurrect. We will bring it back up. Uh, have a stellar day. Thank you so much, Jesse Johnson. Tons. Pursuit of Bliss. That hey, Pursuit of Bliss. That squad membership looks good on you, William Welch. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys. Thanks you all very much. I wish I had more time. I wish I could watch this um, this this um, uh, video with you, but I, but I can't. So. So as it goes, I'll be online. And uh, remember, tomorrow, just if you didn't know, tomorrow um, I have a live stream uh, going. Hold on one second. Tomorrow I got a live stream with Pat Gorman, a.k.a. InfoSec Pat, a.k.a. Offensive Security YouTube Content Creator and uh, Director of like off Offensive Security Operations somewhere. Cool guy. Looking forward to it. I hope you can join us. That's at 4.30 p.m. tomorrow afternoon. All right, I'm Jerry, your Simply Cyber community. I got a meeting, got a boogie. Be good, and until next time, stay secure. Yeah.